Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Guardian Nurses founder, Betty Long. During season three, we'll be delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We'll also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. The nursing profession is facing some very real challenges with regard to its future workforce. The average age of a nurse in the United States is 51 years old. 70% of today's nurses are over the age of 40. On the other side of the spectrum, 50% of new nursing school graduates leave the bedside within two years of practice. On this episode, we talk with Laura Bonomo, who owns her own consulting practice, LAB Consulting Associates. Laura is a market research, human resource, and organization development professional, providing her services across global industries and sectors and among diverse business and consumer audiences. She has spent the last three years conducting in-depth research in healthcare, primarily with nurses, and will share some significant takeaways with us from that research. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Great to have you here. Thank you very much uh, for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. I, I am uh, eager to talk about a lot of what uh, your research is about, but before we get started, I, uh, I want to start kind of understanding how you came to your career in market research and HR and organizational development. What, what prompted that? Where did you uh, start? As a young child, were you always researching things? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I remember taking a career assessment when I was in elementary school. I bet I was in fourth grade. <laughs> oh, and, geez. Um, I wanted to be an artist. I always loved art. And I took this career assessment. And what emerged, I'll never forget this, was that I should be a news anchor. Because <laughs> I loved to research. Okay. Synthesize and then I present. And so in some ways, that's what I'm doing. So my background, I do have it somewhere in there. I have an art degree, but my background was primarily in human resource development. So that's okay. training. And that was before organization development, which is more of a systemic way of helping organizations improve. It was before it was a thing. Okay. So I started out in human resource development, and then that segued into organization development, which became, which was a fascinating field. It's very relevant to the research we're going to discuss, Betty, because human resource development, good thing, important thing, training, education. I can't say enough about how important that is for all of us, uh, but it's still fixing us, right? It's still saying, I'm going to give you the skills, I'm going right. to give you the knowledge, right. and you can do better. Organization development is saying, what does our organization as a system, as a culture, what's said, what is not said, okay. and how it really drives behavior. So, mm. um, so it's very interesting because um, over time, I moved into market research. And it was ah. organic. Yeah. Right? I was doing, yes. Right. I was doing employee satisfaction work. I was doing exit interviews. Mm. I was doing process improvement focus groups. And then I, I did that for my a company. And then I ended up doing it for the company's clients. And, um, and I, I really fell in love with it. So now what I do is I do qualitative and quantitative research. And I try really, really hard to um, take data, well, whether it's qual or quant, mm -hmm. and then um, convert that into insights and implications and actions. And try to take a systems approach on how to use the research findings to improve the performance and productivity and the health of an organization. Wow. And, and over your career, which has been successful and now, uh, as I 
joked uh, in the last three years, you found yourself smack dab in the middle of healthcare at a particularly turbulent time and primarily working uh, with nurses, right? So talk about jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Well, <laughs> so uh, how, how did that journey unfold? So I have, a, I'm a consultant and I have a wonderful client who is a financial services organization and um, their largest customer base are, are, is in healthcare and education. So we started doing work about three and a half years ago on profession-based research, just to understand how the experience of education and onboarding into a profession and the experience of a particular profession influences how people look at their future and save for their future. Okay. So um, this is so serendipitous. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but three years, years ago, um, I was working with educators, um, was doing in-depth research with physicians and nurses. And I had no idea that I was establishing a pre-pandemic baseline. Right. Who, who knew? Right. So I did that work. Um, you got to help me with my years. That was, I started working with nurses I was blown away by what, by what I learned. And um, that was in 2019. And um, wow, right before when okay. right beforehand. And then I went back in field. And so ended up working, talking with nurses uh, pre pandemic at the onset of the pandemic. When it got really intense, when we thought it was waning, it wasn't. Okay. And then when it cropped back up again, and um, at some point um, after the pandemic hit, my client, we, we were hearing from a lot of healthcare organizations concerns about retention of nurses. Yeah. So my client asked me to do a nurse retention study. And I was expecting to hear about salaries or benefits or I mean, after all, they are a financial services company, right. and that's not what I heard, Betty. And okay. um, I did um, a handful of in-depth interviews with nurses. Um, I was both inspired and terrified by equal measure by what <laughs> I heard. I called my client and I said, I'm, I'm not sure what you are expecting, but I, I've got to give you a heads up. This is not about money. I mean, right. not that not that money right. doesn't help, but that's not what I was hearing. And I've been great. I've been thankful that I've been continuing to do this research. So um, so what was the course? What was the goal of it? I mean, what they uh, it's a financial services company, so they're funding the research. But, but what was the goal? Right. How how was the data going to be used? Yeah. So this is this is interesting. It's a really good question. I get that all the time. Why is my client paying for this? Right. So initially it was because nurses are such, I mean, nurses are such a large and significant labor force in the United States. Right. And it's certainly, they're a very significant customer population for my client. So initially it was trying to get an in-depth understanding um, so that when you talk to people in a particular profession, you give the impression that you get it. You get what their, what their lives are like, what their profession is like. So first, it was just customer understanding. And um, I had to best connect with nurses. Okay. And then it moved to helping hospitals retain their nurses because nurses were such a significant population that my client doesn't want to lose them. Right. Doesn't want them leaving right. the field. Right. And at, at some point when I started sharing what I was hearing, what I learned, um, I, it was it was amazing, Betty, because I, I was working with many different people and 
different departments and even some of their agencies and outside organizations. And this, it shifted. What I learned was so inspiring that I, I know, I know we ended up all doing this because we want nurses to stay in their jobs because we know how <laughs> you much have a selfish, right. You have it, a selfish reason, right. It, it did. It moved into, um, the great what's for the greater good. And right. especially, you know, I have three kids and I, you know, I think, I think of the importance that nurses have played, um, in our lives. And it, it started to feel like a public service to share yeah. what I was learning. And how are you getting the, like, how are you finding the nurses to interview? Where, where were they coming from? Were they coming to you? Was there, was it all over the country? Talk a little bit about who you were talking with. Yeah. So I have, what I, what I've done is I have established a panel of not-for-profit professionals and healthcare workers are a very large part. It's a custom panel. And it was just, talk about organic. It has grown over time. And I think it's grown because I think we're asking relevant, meaningful questions. And so a nurse, I'll, I'll talk to a nurse and the nurse will say, you know, I know some other people. I know someone you should talk to. Okay. And, and it has grown. So I, I certainly did recruitment, but in many cases it has my, my pop, the population with whom I get to speak to has grown because of an organic kind of networking that took okay. place. Right. Kind of, you know, was talk to, talk to my friend, you know, Betty or talk to my friend Rebecca. Yes. Right. And you then wanna, someone will okay. say, you should see it's it's different in the south and it's different in the right. midwest and you know captain because their there's politics kind of seeped its way into uh what we've been contending with so really getting geographic representation right um was really important and yeah. um and i'm really thankful for, thankful for that because i i don't want to just have a northeast perspective right and um and the other thing is that I was astonished by how many different types of nurses there are. So it also. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what do, what well, do you mean? Just, uh, there's, it's just, I, I remember I did a slide for types of nurses. Uh-huh. You know, you could be a psychological, you could be in geri geriatrics, you could be in pediatrics, <laughs> you know, med, med surge, emergency room, intensive care, step up right. unit. Uh, it was um, so I, I was amazed by the different the different types of nursing uh -huh. jobs that are available. Okay. And um, I'm moving into my research now. Um, I hope that's okay. I was also another astonishing thing. This is before the pandemic and retention became such an issue. Was the roles that nurses play uh, from yeah. from the most necessary but menial tasks mm. to the most sophisticated complicated medical procedures and and um tools and i i and i think that it's hard for people to wrap their heads around the enormous continuum yeah. And how much responsibility they have. And I, I want to quote someone. The director of the ANA said that a nurse's job is so complex, it could bring down an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> without the without the computer hard drive. Yeah. They, they uh, could, it's a they human. They could do it. They could get right. that airplane down. Well, and I, I think, you know, Laura, that's the truth. Uh, when we talk uh, with our nurses, when we talk with friends and I, I remember uh, doing a story about one of our nurses and she, I think her father listened to the podcast and he said to her, I had no idea what you did, right? Like the, even the, even the nurse's family, because they don't, I don't think most folks talk when they go home, you know, they don't talk about their jobs sometimes mm -hmm. depending on the unit or depending on the day, they've had a bad day. They don't want to bring it up. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised uh, that you as a layperson would would like be astonished, right? That there's so many levels and, and such breadth to the whole role of the nurse. That's right, yeah. right. 
And, and, and clearly, right, we all, we all know, we all are hearing, I think, um, at least before uh, the pandemic, how nursing is facing some challenges. We, we are aging. Uh, 70% of, of today's nurses are over the age of 40. And, and on the other side of the world, 50% of new nursing school graduates leave the bedside within two years of practice. So I, I, I still think that's heartbreaking to me. Um, can you share with our listeners some of your high-level uh, learnings through the yes. research? I, I just, yes, I, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, but I just want to say that at this moment, 50, um, 51 is the average age of, of nurses. Wow. And, um, and uh, 20%, this is last year's figures, 20%. Um, working nurses are 65 years of age or older. And um, that's, that's, that's impressive. 65 or over. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, and, and, and and I understand in a way I didn't understand before that um, the the physical labor that that a nurse has to undergo too. So. um, Well, and that, that not to interrupt that, that's the point I think that is well taken that, while the average age might be 51, it's not the average age on a med surge floor because That's that right. is a young nurse's domain, right? Because it's hard work and, yeah. you know, that's why there's young nurses and it's kind of like the minor leagues, right? Get into the med yeah, surge it's, floor. It's, it's, it's how you earn your stripes. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and you know, Betty, part of what fueled the funding of this research, cause I'm, I'm, I'm really, really going into like entering my fourth year of doing this is that the projected deficit of nurses um, by 2030 is is nearing a million nurses. Wow. Is that current, like after the pandemic or during the well, pandemic? Let, let me because... tell you, let me give you the exact number. And this okay. number is from um, it's from the registered nurse report card and shortage forecast. This is in 2019, Betty, and it was um, the projected deficit was 918,232 nurses. Wow. And um, I am Jeez. very comfortable saying that what has what has transpired over two, 2020, 2021 and into 2022, I'm, I project over a million yeah. nurses. Right. And and. and- and that's being felt across the healthcare system, not just in inpatient units, right? And and we've certainly heard about that, certainly through the pandemic, through the ups and downs of the Omicron and Delta, is that they had to close beds because there was not enough staff, right? Staff were getting sick. They couldn't report to work. And that just exacerbated all the other shortages that were there, right? So the nursing shortage uh, has been around pre-pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. And so I think what one of the one of the high level learnings is not surprisingly that all the historical challenges of being a nurse and those challenges associated with the nursing field yeah. and the projected labor shorter, everything was magnified yeah. to an exponential degree by the pandemic. Right. And you know, you know people say things like in the darkest of times that's when you turn on a light, the light shines the brightest. And um, so I do think that there are issues um, very profoundly impacted by the pandemic, but many of them are issues that were tolerated or managed before and um, has reached an untenable degree. So like what? Tell me, based on your research, t- tell me what you're hearing. Well, if I have to, I'm going to put it into three categories and then I'll, I'll dig in. So I'd say the number one issue is the ability to deliver quality patient care, to work mm. in an environment and whether it's team members or resources or tools or um Staffing patient ratios. It's uh, I I'm hearing something and that I have not heard before on how difficult it is to deliver 
that degree of care. Mm-hmm. And Betty, you've heard me say this, that I've heard this so many times, nursing is a calling. Yeah. I, I love my job so much. I am so grateful for what I do. But, you know, at the end of, at the end of when my time is up on the planet, I'm not going to say, here lies Laura, a market researcher. That's not <laughs> how I define myself. But you know what? A nurse, a nurse does. Yeah. It, it is. And it's a powerful calling and I, and identity. So to not be able to fulfill mm. that calling, um, there, there are some terms that, that I learned in the course of doing this research. So we've been talking about nurse burnout for decades, right? Yeah. And then a new term emerged, compassion fatigue. Um, uh, I think that kind of emerged at the beginning. But I was corrected. So I've been talking about burnout and compassion fatigue. And a number of healthcare professionals called me called me out in the most in the most polite way possible and said, (laughs) we take issue with that. Mm -hmm. And I know you understand that because there's something about blaming burnout and compassion fatigue, saying the problem, if we say the problem is burnout and compassion fatigue, we go back to that analogy I I drew about training and human resource development. I'm still saying, you know, if only you were a little what? tougher yep. if you had more endurance if you had a better it still right. seems like in a way like we're blaming the individual correct you don't so, have right correct you don't have enough <laughs> you don't have enough compassion you right? don't have the grit you don't have, you don't have the grit compassion. yeah right. yeah you so can't do it the term and i've heard this by equal measure from from physicians and nurses is that what they what they have experienced is moral distress, moral injury. And that's a term uh, that was coined by the Veterans Administration during the Vietnam War. Okay. And that's would, would our military would return home and they had a form of chronic post-traumatic stress. Okay. And, um, and when we dug into it, we found that that, that occurs when there is a mismatch on what you're called to do uh-huh. and um, and the uh-huh. ability to do that. Okay. So when, 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 when what you're called to do is in conflict with what's actually taking place. Got it. Okay. So, that makes sense, um, right? Because even when you look around the news reports and all the, you know, the TV pre, well, in March of 2020, April, 2020, there was a lot of attention being given to the heroes right of of healthcare and now a year later or two years later everybody's angry and you know they have to wear masks and they have to do, right there's it's this total disconnect yes and, and and not only that right i i hear that a lot like what what happened to banging pots and pans at 7 p.m. um how how soon we for, we forget yeah so there's this disconnect between their calling okay. and what the environment can provide to allow them to do their their jobs and you know there there's a disconnect also because um you know what healthcare and science have implored us to do during this pandemic and that's that's very difficult to walk out of a hospital and see and see what they experienced yes what they view the what they coined as needless suffering and death and nurses really, they really care. Like it is very painful for them to see patients dying alone. And um, it's been, it's been and the whole misinformation. Um, I know uh, um, someone I interviewed said, you know, Laura, you have a leak, you call the plumber, the plumber tells you what you do. You listen to the plumber. And um, <laughs> I think it's been very difficult to, to not be listening to right. what are direct care, healthcare protect practitioners. So big, big disconnect. And um, there's been so many pro, um, changes and protocols. I mean, the amount of pivoting that had to go on. I, I've heard of nurses sh- showing up for a shift during the pandemic and 
they change the locks and then tell them or like from, oh, from the mundane to the really difficult experience. Oh. And we all know in the beginning what it was like to not have adequate PPE. Yep. Um so it was uh I just I just um remember hearing many stories and what a privilege for me because I have had a front row seat for the last three years, but I, I'm not in the arena. <laughs> I talk to people who are in the arena. So that's, that's the whole thing around quality patient care. Is okay. And then and, uh, what else came up? So two other big areas. Um, the second is in the broadest of terms, a safe and secure and supportive work environment. So this is not only having the right PPE, the right tools, the right equipment. Um, it has to do with managing these work shifts and all the concerns that nurses and direct care providers have in potentially bringing the virus home. Right. And, and we know so many nurses are primary caregivers, primary breadwinners, maybe sole breadwinners. And as patient acuity went up and the patient census went up, um, I would like to talk to you at some point about, I, th I really think there's a need to rework what, what, what constitutes a work shift and what enables you to get benefits. But I think that's yeah. been a, a really big issue. Um, I, I, I've actually heard a couple of my chief nursing officer friends have talked about that too, right? So it, you know, it's always been the traditional 12 hours because everybody likes that. They get three twelves or, you know, nobody wants to work five days a week if they're, if they can help, help it. Right. But there's other, there's other shifts that could be done and, you know, four, six, whatever, right. Be flexible, make it happen. Yes. Allow the nurses right. to cover the unit. And, and I want to tell you, in talking with physicians and nurses, that is so big. I mean, that's such a big thing to have flexible workshops. I've had physicians, and I quote literally, it is huge when they have the autonomy. Okay. And it's, it's funny, when you have that flexibility, maybe you have um, um, a, a shift person who's putting together the puzzle pieces for a particular unit and I, I know some nurses where there's where it's self-scheduling and they work they work together they figure right. figure it out right and this leads to a really big thing that that overlaps quality patient care and a safe and supportive um, environment which is establishing staffing ratios based on patient acuity not just patient census Ah, uh, okay. Yep. Um, right. Well, at many hospitals do that. I mean, they do have a, a, a an algorithm that can factor in, you know, okay, you're a level four and uh, that person's a level one, right? So I, I get yes. not, not that language exactly, but they do factor that in. There are algorithms that, yeah, but I it may not be in every hospital that you've talked with, right? In every well, let me say it this way, that probably came up as one of the biggest issues that I heard okay. among almost all nurses. So right. okay. um, I, I mean, you would know, of course. So I, the, maybe the algorithm has to change, Betty. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I, I heard that and that was, it was a really big source. And I, ha I have some statistics on that and the, the number of nurses who talked about staffing and patient ratios as a, a real determinant of job satisfaction and their level of engagement and loyalty. Right. Cause if they, if their driver is, I want to do a good job and deliver quality care, I can't if I have more patients than I can handle. Yes. With a level of acuity that is, uh, I, I think in recent, recent history, it's, it's unprecedented. Right. So I heard that, like I heard this in one of the last rounds of research that I did is, is people saying, Laura, these are the sickest people I've ever seen. So, you know, hopefully we're on the other side where that's improving. Right. But 
patient census was, was, was at an all-time high yeah. and patient acuity was. And I, I, I think we, we encountered a perfect storm. Well, and we're actually, it's interesting that you say that because we're actually seeing our patients at Guardian Nurses. Now, the, you know, oftentimes they're hospitalized, but oftentimes they're not, but they are sicker. And whether it's the delay in, in getting care and accessing care because of the pandemic or, you know, they had COVID and they came out and they're still sicker, but we've, we've actually experienced that and we're an outpatient setting, right? Essentially. But um, yeah. I think patients are sicker all over. And uh, I think so that's Betty, contributing. That, that really syncs up with what I'm hearing right. that originally they were so sick because of um the impact of um, COVID-19 and with those with fewer people having to be in the hospital for COVID-19, but people who have delayed health care or just, I think, generally speaking, people who end up in the hospital are sicker than they were decades back. So, right. yeah, I, I don't think this is going away for nurses. Even um, I pray COVID-19 is waning. I, but I still think we have other healthcare um, demands uh, that are going to be a byproduct yes. of delaying care and testing. For sure. Care. Absolutely. Yep. Betty, I wanted to bring up just, if, and I'll, I'll move along, but I wanted to bring up something else that I know. Um, I remember listening to one of your podcasts and it was devoted to violence in the workplace. Mm. And um, the importance of getting nurse input when when it comes to security, and it's been um, I think all of that has been heightened as well, right? Patient patients, um, volunteer staff is no longer there who used to be runners and pick up a package from the mail room and run right. it to a patient's room. Um, uh, family and guests who would visit. Um, and could could either could either lend some form of a helping hand, and then you have the staffing shortages, and and right. you know everything's. I I think I think all can, um, all stakeholders in healthcare are afraid, including yeah. the patients, including so the I, patients, right? Because I I was I don't know if I told you this story where a, a, I was talking to a CNO, and he said that he had a patient who was angry and argumentative and was uh, cursing and lashing out at his staff on the floor. And his staff, some of them were young nurses and they didn't really have the experience to handle this woman's behavior. And she continued to throw herself on the floor My because God. they would not give her the pain medication that she requested. Uh, and she ended up breaking her hip by throwing herself out of the bed. And the, the young nurse said to him, I, I'm not, I don't know how to handle this. Right. I I'm, I'm 24 and we didn't have any patients that did this in nursing school. Right. Everybody was compliant. Everybody, you know, did what they, and if, even if I got a human being, maybe I was doing a simulated lab because I was in nursing school during COVID. So patients, right. Are, right. Patients are angry because maybe their family couldn't get in to see them. Like it all bubbles up and yeah. it's being taken out on the nurses because they're the direct care. They're the direct link to the hospital. Right. So, um, so the violence in the workplace, yes, uh, it doesn't happen just in the ER, right. It's happening right. all over. Right. Right. Um, so I, I heard about that and, Two other things relating to a safe and supportive work environment. One is confidential mental health support. Um, for the nurse. For, yeah. for, for nurses, that's right. Okay. And something, and mental health support is not only just talking to someone, it's, this is all part of the um, staffing ratios that, you know, if a, a nurse needs a break, I, I, I needs a break, whether it's a day off or staying home because he or she is sick, or uh, I I just remember a, a nurse um, talking to me about uh, her first uh, year in an emergency room, and um, she had a two year old patient, and um, and the baby died, 
Mm. And and the the mother was as we could all imagine. Right. Um disconsolate and the, the nurse was so upset and she said Laura I did not have two minutes to uh-huh. just compose myself and take stock of what I had just witnessed uh-huh. before I go on to there so mental health support is yes it's great uh, and I I'm all for it but it also means um building it into the environment right you know, so that nurses can. So, but then there's one more thing that came up, and I know you've talked about this as well on your podcast. And it is healthcare healthcare environments need to mandate caring behaviors. Like the caring <laughs> just right. can't be between the nurse and the patient. Yes, caring has to be. The physician to the nurse, and the charge nurse, and the tenured nurse to the new nurses, and the yeah. and the CNAs, and the people who come in and deliver, and the and, res- and physicians <laughs> right. and surgeons. Yeah. So uh, an analogy that I drive three kids, and I can't tell two of them to be okay. You know, daughter, you have to be kind to son number one. The rest <laughs> of you don't. You know, just, right. that's life. Right. Buck up, right? Right. So um, I, I, I really hear this, Betty, and it has, and there's a need to really ban all bullying types of behaviors. And it has an impact on um, students who choose to go into nursing. It yep. has an impact on what it's like to be new nurses. And um, I heard a story in one of my, in, my last few research studies, I've been asking about the silver lining of the pandemic. And yeah. I have a friend who's just completing, well, she's a, she's a research person who, with whom I've become friendly uh, just from talking to her so much over the last three years. And she was saying that there was a charge nurse who had had, had a reputation for being really tough on new nurses. And she was on this nurse's floor and some of the other nurses said, you know, since COVID hit, since it's been so hard, we had a glimpse of unity of all of us coalescing mm. as a team. And it changed how this senior nurse and revered nurse behaved. And all was the she was she nicer? There. She was nicer and more supportive. Ranger, more patient, um, more and more in a mentorship and bringing, helping bring new nurses into the fold. Uh, She was caring Mm. and she made that shift. And here I am hearing about it in my research studies and the individual, the nurse with, with whom I was conducting the interview heard it from the other nurses on the floor. Right. So People say bad news travels fast. Well, so does good. And, um, <laughs> and I hope that there's any any um, nurses, experienced nurses and charge nurses and nursing directors listening to this to to hear the that um, that there they could cast a lot of light. And um, and but it's something that it just can't be something we ask of nurses. Correct. It has to be mandated for every constituency that makes up a healthcare organization. And, and I think for the nurses who are able to hold their ground and stand up and say, "Hey, I, I don't want I don't appreciate you talking that way to me," they need to be supported, right? So if if I have the courage to do that with a physician or with another coworker, then you know, hopefully, the the manager or the director or the chief nursing officer will be able to support that nurse and they're thereby kind of showing the behavior when you stand up for yourself it it will be not rewarded but it will be supported that's right um it absolutely and so it kind of leads me to my third area okay which is giving nurses 
a sense of future. So circumstances have ventured into the untenable for nurses. Right. And and I am I'm just gonna just what you said. One of the things I haven't I've seen orientation dwindle from months to weeks to days right. to hours. Right. And <laughs> I the organizations that I because uh, I interviewed organizations that have really terrible uh, alarming attrition and those that are doing okay. And one of the things about the organizations hanging on to their nurses is strong, sustained mentorship okay. programs. Now, okay. and, and they also mandating the, that, that whole thing about make building a caring organization. Yeah. Like they, there is no way anyone can be unkind because you, you, you do not want to do this in this place. Okay. Because they will swiftly deal with it because they know what an issue it is. So they have they have built caring when when they have when they have team huddles, yeah. they talk about not only providing care to the patient, but care to each other. It's actually factored into their team huddles. It's hard to believe, right? When I hear you say that, I think, God, like we're a healthcare organization. Why wouldn't we care about each other? It just, it's mind boggling to me, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're building yeah. it into the culture. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's another, maybe if you'll invite me back, we can talk about why that might be a, a big issue with healthcare work with people in care. Who are giving so much of themselves that's a that's an interesting topic unto itself okay so um these mentorship programs the ones that that i've heard that have worked are um a cno meets with every new nurse and not just once but at different interim periods during the first six weeks and um and then there's a support system for the first six months and new nurses are asked about their experience and their feedback includes how um, how easy it was to acculturate, to feel comfort, to be able to speak. And there, there is never retribution for speaking okay. up. Okay. So really, I mean, this is this is just I want you to think about this. This is what you said, like. We should be caring about each other. We should yeah. be mentoring new people. We should be helping nurses. Right. Like what's right. career pathing? Right. Um, these organizations that are hanging on to nurses have career pathing that helps nurses. They what a nurse would ordinarily leave the hospital to obtain. Yeah. Some organizations say, "Okay, you want to get in a family practice? Well, we have something that's similar to this." Okay. Um, and also that sense of future Betty is, so it's not, it's mentorship, it's career pathing. Um, and I know you've talked about what I'm about to say, which is getting nurses, many nurses in visible, high level, C-level positions and in the boardroom um, and, and, and managing by wandering around. Right. We've got to bridge. I'm really hearing generational rifts among okay. nursing staff. Okay. I'm hearing about healthcare, the people on the ground versus administrators. I right. am there's there we're not we're not building the bridges in healthcare that we need and right. never have our ground people on the ground needed needed that kind of support. So I think one way of bridging that is um, is grooming nurses through good mentorship and, and education and putting the people who embody the values and cultures of caring in every form in the highest level positions and not making decisions without them. Yeah. And, and back to your point, which was, I think, my point, but I heard somebody else's point was that nurses as in the boardroom have to be heard they have to be put at the table i i don't i forget the quote if you're not at the table you're on the menu or you know your meat on the menu something like that if you're not at the That's table right. your meat on the menu 
that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Laura, b- based on, um, you know, what you've learned through your research, let me ask you what, how has this changed you as a healthcare consumer? Will you, how, how will you, what steps would you take if you had to have a loved one or yourself go to the hospital or, or interact with a healthcare system based on what you've learned? That's a, that's a powerful, it's a profound question for me because while I was in the midst of this research and during the worst of COVID, um, my mother, my mother fell and ended up in the hospital for three weeks. She had to have brain uh, surgery. It, it did on her healthcare proxy, and she ended up in, in hospice. Uh, um, and as her healthcare sorry. proxy, I saw. Well, thank you, thank thank you for that. Um, and I have to tell you, Betty, that the it, what I learned from the nurses really altered the way I interfaced with um when i when i would call and no one and no one could answer the phone or when i i would hear the someone answer the phone and i could tell they were out of breath and um i actually i actually my mom was moved to six different floors and i knew why i knew why i knew it was because they were running out of beds and um and i i felt a compassion and understanding that I wouldn't have oh. had I not done this research. Sure, sure. And on, right. on every floor, I would I would say to the nurse giving my mom care, I would say you, I I, I need to ch- check in and know what's going on, because uh, my mom my mom couldn't speak or she she actually lost all mobility and expression. So. And sometimes I would set my alarm at midnight and I would call and the nurse would be, be waiting for my call. <laughs> and um, I, my, the compassion I felt for them, right. they gave back to me and they gave to my mom um, under, I knew what nurses were experiencing, the five description. I knew it. And it really changed and it, it changes every time I, I go to a doctor's office or whatever the case may be. Right. And it's one of the reasons why I, I hope we can get this to the general public. Right. Right. Cause I, I think to your point, if you have empathy for what they're going through, right. They, they want to do a good job. They want to take care of your mom, but they have other, you know, they got 20 other patients that they're trying to care for. Absolutely. But kudos to you for, for not calling angry, right? But understanding yeah. what they were going through. I'm sure that made a big difference to them, well, um, uh, to you. And, and kudos to the many nurses across the United States who, um, who, who helped me understand. Right. And, um, and now I am going, I'm going to, to, healthcare conferences and I'm talking to healthcare administrators and Betty, I'll, I'll talk to anyone who will listen and I'll, I'll <laughs> talk to people even if they don't want to listen. Because <laughs> uh, I, I want, I want them to know what I, I learned and I see an opportunity here because what the nurses are asking for are good, healthy organizational practices. Right. I right. just think everything we just said, it's yeah. even outside of COVID, it's the right thing to do. Yep. And I remember, um, I, I think there is an opportunity for transformation in healthcare that's sorely needed and coming to light during these very tough times. From your lips to God's ears, I just, <laughs> please. Please, yeah, that would be great. So I, I usually, um, well, occasionally do ask uh, if you could have a magic wand and wave it and make one thing different in the healthcare oh, only, system. Only, well, only one, one only one. It's only one. Only good for one wand. <laughs> it's only, oh, it's tough. Well, I right. know what it is. What? Um, it is building a caring organization 
because so much falls under those auspices. So okay. I'm sort of I'm sort of cheating here because <laughs> just about everything I just discussed falls into um, building the language and the behaviors of caring within within healthcare organizations. And um, I mean, it, I I I think that as um, our patient base is culturally diverse. I, I hope that we draw more people into the profession who represent the wonderful diversity right. um, that we have in the United States. And I hope that, you know, that all different types of nurses can feel safe and supported and appreciated for the immeasurable value they bring to us. Well, Laura, thank that is a wonderful wish, and uh, thank you. I, I, you know, with your research, perhaps more will listen. So continue to do what you do, so that we can prove, prove, uh, you know, unsubstantiated that there is a value to nursing, and that it would enhance any organization to be a more caring organization. Yeah. So thank you, thanks for your thanks. research, and thanks for thanks for understanding what we do. Really, yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's been a privilege and an honor to learn that. <laughs> thank you for joining us. My pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. And I I hope you'll have me back sometime. I hope so too. Thank you for wanting to come back. All right, take care. All right, thank you, Betty, and uh, best to all. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.